Welcome back to the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. It's me, Hot Take Nate, and I'm wheeling in the Tube TV with the straps on the cart because we have a substitute teacher today with us. We have Montana Parlay filling in for Bear Tycoon this week. What's going on, Montana Parlay? Well, kids, you're going to have a lot more fun, but I'm not going to let you get away with much either. So let's get going. Yeah, you know? so um, we, we're finally here in conference season coming up this next week. We had one more slate of out-of-conference games uh, in the big sky that we will get to here. But I think I speak for everybody when I say it is so nice to have conference season back. No more Dixie States. Well, for now, because the Grizz play them later. No more San Diego's. No more Drake's. No more FBS games for a little while. It's just Big Sky on Big Sky action, and that is hot. Yeah, I mean, one thing about getting ready for this pod and listening to your guys' last couple episodes is, you know, first of all, do I have to pretend that I've watched all of these non-conference games? Two, do I have to know what Sagarin ratings are? And three, thank God we're in a conference season. Less games, more focus. It's what really matters. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So, once again, thanks. Uh, before I forget, thanks for Laney, thanks to Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs for playing us in, as they always do. Bear Tycoon usually does that thank you for me uh, and for Laney Lou, so uh, I have to remember to do some of those things that he does, but I'm not going to go through all the different Montana Mint podcasts we have, uh, and especially not the Grizz Fan Pod, the number one pod in Montana. I will not promote those guys. I won't do it. Uh, not happening. So they don't that's, need any more help. No, they don't need more. That's the biggest shout out they're gonna get. So let's get started. The first one on the slate of games over the weekend. It was one of the shittiest games. Oregon State and Idaho. Idaho still hasn't played an FCS game at this point. I think they forgot that they dropped down a couple years back. It's the only explanation for playing a D two school and then Indiana and then Oregon State. So who are the Vandals? Not a team that will threaten an FBS squad. We know that. I do have a soft spot in my heart for Idaho because of the tubs at the club crew. But what in the world are they doing? After a 56-14 drubbing by the football school Hoosiers, Idaho fell to the Beavers 42-0 this past weekend, and it could have been a lot worse. The score was 42-0 after the third quarter. Yikes. Idaho's two QBs, Mike Boudry, and C.J. Jordan combined for 84 yards passing and two interceptions, which is almost like a Troy Anderson line minus the interceptions, and they Troy scored a lot more touchdowns, uh, and they didn't score any. And they probably weren't recruited at linebacker. But either way, just a horrible, horrible showing by the Idaho Vandals playing up again. I wonder what FBS team Idaho tried to schedule next week, or this week, uh, before the Big Sky said that they had to start conference play. Brutal out of conference for Idaho. They did get a D2 win, but then Indiana and Oregon State just putting it on them. Man, if I was an Idaho fan, that would have been a tough three-game stretch to open up the 2020 season. 2021 season. Yeah, and you know, um, if you can't win a football game, you might as well get paid to play, right? And I think Chris from Tubbs at the Club actually gave a logical reason as to why the schedule's like this. And this is the last year, I think, if I remember correctly. But you know what? It's so much more fun to just shit on them because, yeah, what the heck are they doing? And good luck to them in the conference season. They're yeah. going to need it. And we always talk about 
Northern Arizona's jerseys, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But how about Idaho? Maybe my bottom four jerseys in the big sky. Again, apologies to the Tubs of the Club guys, but definitely a bottom four for me with the mustard yellow, the gold, the brown, the black. I don't know what they're doing there either. Pretty hard to look at. Pretty hard to look at. So the next one, Parlay, how about you get us started on this one? This one, number seven at the time, Eastern Washington taking on the Western Illinois Leathernecks. You know, I wish... Uh, our governor doesn't let us bet this game in state. Wish I could have. I would have pounded the over. But, Nate, how much money did you lose on this backdoor cover? And how many backdoor jokes can I make before Apple and Spotify changes our podcast rating? Uh, that's a good question. I did lose a couple units on this one. I thought this one was uh, a lock. The lock, One of the locks of the week. And it was not. So uh, I don't know what the hell happened in Macomb. Eric Barrierier did go off in Illinois and set a first-half record for TD passes and yards through the air. An unbelievable start. Gave the Eagles a 55-21 lead at half. They were on pace for 110 points. That is insane. Barrierier had six total TDs on the day, including TD passes of 76, 51, 34, and another 51-yarder, and finished with 542 through the air. All of this, and they still had to fend off the Leathernecks in the fourth quarter as WIU scored four straight touchdowns to close the score to within six points with two minutes left in the game. This was one of the most brutal backdoor covers I've had in gambling, in my FCS gambling in quite a while. Barry Arier, insane. Absolutely insane first half. Pedestrian second half. I think they took their starters out at some point. But man, Eastern looked like world beaters in that first half. And duds in that second half. Yeah, and it looks like, hey, I don't know what to say about this Eastern defense. Was it just second half? You know, Kyler mentioned that maybe they just aren't prepared for that Midwest humidity and they won't have to deal with much of that the rest of the year. So maybe it's just an aberration, but that's scary. It's like those old Rob Ashcat teams that could put up points, but gave up more and you just knew you just knew that come playoff time come the big game things weren't going to shake out well for your team is that what's going to happen with eastern this year well i i kind of voted that way in the power rankings i docked them a little bit when you give up 56 points that's just that's just that's tough to deal with yeah, and those those are that's bringing up old wounds with the Prukop and Ash years. One of the best quarterbacks to ever come through the Big Sky in Dakota Prukop. I don't even know if they made the playoffs when Prukop was a quarterback here with that defense that they had. It was brutal. And if this Eastern game is any indication of how that could go for the for the Eagles, uh, that's not. It's fun to watch, but then at the end of the game, when you're only winning by six after putting up 55 in the first half and having a 34 point lead, it's pretty brutal. Um, as a fan so we'll see what uh, eastern has uh, they have uh, southern utah which we'll talk about they have them next up on the docket uh, so a game that they should uh, win pretty easily but then again we said that about western illinois and eastern came out got out to that huge lead and we thought we were right one thing about western illinois dennis houston is the real deal for west uh, for western illinois i know that uh, the Grizz shut him down and they were having a lot of fun saying they shut him down but this dude is going to be in the nfl Leading rusher, leading receiver, he had three carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. He had 11 receptions for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the dude's a beast for Western Illinois. Uh, he'll be someone that uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on come draft time. I'll have to see if Western Illinois can get him 
uh, into the NFL, but just a monster game for him to help Western Illinois come back. Uh, and that one and screw me over. And Eastern Washington and Kyler Neal are dead to me. Kyler didn't tell me to bet that game. This is the guy, this is uh, from the Eagles podcast. Uh, he didn't tell me to bet the game. He didn't give me any advice on it. But he and the Eagles are both dead to me because of this backdoor cover. All right, moving on. Cal versus receiving votes. Sac State, forty-two to three, thirty. Sorry, forty-two to thirty. You know. Sac State puts up 30 against a Pac-12 team. Maybe figures out their QB situation. Does this mean they are paper tigers no more? My answer, meh. I I don't know. Jake Dunaway had 43 passing attempts, put up 370 yards, two TDs. However, Asher O'Hara was still taking snaps and was the leading rusher for the Hornets, taking off 12 times. Now, Nate, can you think of a two QB system that's ever been successful besides, you know, getting a lot of talk from the fans and the media? P- let's let's talk playoff success, two QB system. Well, there was the Florida Gators that had Tebow and I cannot remember the other quarterback's name now. <laughs> Who was that? Tebow and uh, someone, and then there's there's obviously Breeze and uh, the Mormon guy from the yeah. Saints. Yeah, they. I don't think they. I think they lost when they were favored to win in the playoffs. Well, either way, you know, the, Sac State put up some numbers. Pierre Williams and Marshall Martin continue to be people to watch in the Big Sky. Um, Martin is he's a tight end, averaging eighty yards and a TD per game. He's going to be an interesting player to keep track on throughout this conference season. Uh, Pierre Williams had a huge game, and you know when you when you've got a QB competition going on and multiple guys taking snaps, when you got a receiver and a tight end putting up numbers like that, uh, those are those are some talented players they've got coming out. Um, you know the slot and the wide receiver area there at Sac State. You know they're going to put up some points this year in conference play. I just I just don't know how they're going to be in the top if they'll make a top five you know, slot in the big sky this year. What do you think? Yeah, the two QB systems, interesting, like we talked about on last week's uh, pod, is that, you know, Astro O'Hara came in with huge expectations coming from a Conference USA team, grad transferring over to Sac State. I think his twin brother or, one of his, or his brother, I don't know if they're twins, played on Sac State. So Sac State got a, a pretty serviceable quarterback who uh, I think was second or third team in Conference USA last year as a quarterback in the uh, in the spring. or Well, FBS played a fall season in 2020. But uh, – it was a guy that they thought was going to come in, hopefully be you know the heir apparent to Kevin Thompson. It looks like Dunaway has stolen the at least the receiving plays away from O'Hara, which has to be a, a, a tough spot to be in if you're Asher O'Hara, knowing that when you're in there, the defense knows you're probably going to be running the ball. Um, you know, the Troy days, just like Tranderson, kind of the wildcat. Asher O'Hara is going to be kind of screwed when it comes to quarterbacking. I don't think he's going to get a lot of chances to throw the ball. He did have 10 attempts in this game, 3 of 10 for 29 yards. So that's not going to get it done. Uh, speaking of done, done away, uh, did get 370 yards through the air, like you said. So it looks like they have found their through-the-air quarterback. Um, and O'Hara did take off, 10, like you said, 12 times, 50 yards, had two touchdowns. So it looks like this is going to be a guy where when they're in the red zone, he's going to be the guy that's going to be in there taking the snaps and trying to get in uh, to the end zone with a designed quarterback run. But uh, tough for Asher O'Hara coming over there uh, and, uh, and, and getting on the Hornets, but then getting, you know, 
he's playing second fiddle to Dunaway now. And O'Hara's two touchdowns were from seven yards and two yards. So um, if that doesn't tell you what they're going to do when they're in the reds, and I don't know what else will. We'll see uh, kind of what Sac State comes with next week uh, as they open up conference play against um, – who are they playing next week? We'll get to that anyway. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what now when uh, with teams knowing how Sac State looks like they're going to be – rotating their QBs in and out if that does anything, changes anything, or if they come out and just totally scrap what they did against Cal with it being an FBS game. Um, but, yeah, interesting one. We still don't know really who Sac State is. They don't have a quarterback. I don't think they they know who they are yet. Uh, they open up with Idaho State, so a game they can definitely win. Um, but they're going to be, like you said, one to keep an eye on to see if they can keep putting up points and how that defense is going to do this year. I mean, respectable result against Cal. Cal's not a great FBS team, but still, only down, only losing by 12 to a Pac-12 team is, uh, is is not an embarrassment by any means. Yeah, and we gave them that much time because they did finish first in the last legitimate season in the Big Sky. But let's move on to Lamar at the former darlings of this season, Northern Colorado. Lamar won 17-10. Northern Colorado, I believe, were 16.5-point favorites. You know, in hindsight, that, that should have been 18-point 18. 18 favorites. Ooh, if, if we didn't make money off that, maybe we need to rethink gambling. But, you know, it's too bad Bear Tycoon isn't here for this one. He After publicly calling out anyone who voted Sac State over UNC in the power rankings, Northern Colorado loses to lowly Lamar. You know, and in hindsight, as I said, Northern Colorado being more than two touchdown favorites should have been a profitable endeavor. File that away under hindsight betting. Uh, Do we really need to review this much further? UNC scored 10 freaking points at home against Lamar. Yeah, and I think I jinxed the Bears on the Big Sky Big Takes, didn't I? I think uh, I, I won my second uh, second consecutive Big Sky Big Takes. Not bragging there, just letting everybody know uh, who the leader in the clubhouse is right now on that show. But uh, I said I can't imagine a UNC com- team coming to Bozeman with a 3-1 and record um, after they were supposed to beat Lamar and NAU. Uh, and now it's looking like it's the same old squad in Greeley. Uh, this game uh, was beyond boring when I switched over to it after the Cats game. Uh, the highlights that I saw in no particular order, uh, UNC got sprint turf. Did not know that they had that out there. Still thought they had grass. So that shows you how many times I've watched a UNC game on Pluto uh, when we had that. I had no clue uh, at all that they um, were able to plant or that they were able to put in field turf up there in Greeley. So uh, congrats to them whenever that happened. If it was last year or two years ago, who knows? Uh, Ben Raybon drilling a 57-yard field goal to give uh, UNC the lead uh, 7-10 in the fourth quarter. That was pretty cool to see. And uh, Ed McCaffrey didn't wear a Breathe Right strip while coaching. It was the first time I saw Ed McCaffrey on the <laughs> sidelines. No Breathe Right strip. Didn't look like him. Uh, I think he needs to bring that back uh, at some point. But, yeah, Northern Colorado is back to being who we thought they were, cellar dwellers in the big sky. McCaffrey, uh, McCaffrey's son did not play uh, in this game. Northern Colorado had um, Connor Martin at quarterback. And, uh, you know, he went 19 of 31 for 152 yards, a touchdown interception. This is against a pretty shitty Lamar team. We talked about them in the Sagarin ratings. This is a team that's not too far off from the San Diego's, the Drake's, the uh, Dixie States of the world. So this was not a team that was, you know, coming in there riding high um, and kind of a darling of the FCS. We thought Northern Colorado might be. We thought that this game would be an easy win for Northern Colorado after they knocked off Houston Baptist in decently convincing fashion. And they're the darlings no more. 
They are the darlings no more. Northern Colorado back to their rightful place at the bottom of our power rankings, at the bottom of our conference. I don't ever want to see uh, them getting frisky ever again. We thought they were going to have a 3-1 record when they came to Bozeman. They are going to have a 1-3 record when they come to Bozeman. Just a disaster for Northern Colorado this weekend. And, you know, I think I jinxed them, but I don't feel too bad. Yeah, so in summary, the cows will go hungry, and Northern Colorado still can't score on sprint turf. All right, so Portland State in the free beer game, uh, 21, Western Oregon, 7. Now, what's up with this score after two straight covers by Portland State versus FBS squads? Was this a trap game? Were the Vikings looking ahead to their home opener against the Bobcats? Did Coach Bauman give the players free beer throughout the game? Uh, you know, no line was listed in this game since Western Oregon is you know an NAIA or Division II, whatever, whatever conference they're in. But we can assume Western Oregon easily covered the spread. Uh, Davis Alexander had a lackluster performance considering the opponent was Western Oregon. He did throw for 300 yards or just under 300. Um, maybe they didn't want to show too much on film in this game. Maybe you can't get pumped up in front of 200 fans, although they reported 3,124. I mean, I'd come for free beer if I lived within a couple hours of that stadium too. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, Western Oregon is by no means a Division II power. They came into this game 0-2 against Division II schools. They lost 42-3 to the School of Mines. Shout out Bob Stitt, <laughs> the creator and inventor of the fly sweep. Uh, they lost that game 42-3. Then they lost at Texas A&M Kingsville 24-10. So their most respectful, respect, respectable, respectable loss of the year is against FCS Portland State's 21-7. So Bruce Barnum is a genius. Uh, we would have never talked about this game if it wasn't for the free beer idea going viral. He got a lot of FaceTime uh, and radio time regarding this. Um, but it was. It was it was such a weird game coming off two covers versus FCS teams, Hawaii and Washington State. And then only getting past Western Oregon by 14. Like I said, a team that's just a kind of a shitty D2 school. Uh, that came into this game with two pretty bad losses to other D2 schools. Uh, and for a guy with Alexander's talent, 295 and two touchdowns, uh, it's a pretty pedestrian day for a quarterback with that kind of talent against a D2 school that's given up 24 and 42 points on the season to Division II quarterbacks. So I think this is a game that MSU fans wanted to see from the Vikings before the start of conference season. You know, they were kind of looking maybe a little frisky once they got, um, you know, if they would have gotten a bigger win against a D2 school uh, and then got into their first FCS school with a little bit of momentum, maybe a little bit of confidence that they could do something, but uh, not to be the case for Portland State. Just kind of a, a disappointing win, I guess, for Portland State in this in this sense. They do get to uh, host another game next uh, weekend, obviously, against Montana State to start conference season, so maybe they can turn around a little bit, but just uh, not, not the way you want to. Uh, come out um, on free beer Saturday with all the eyes on you in the big sky only because of the free beer that Barnum uh, was buying and then kind of just lay a dud like this. They were only up seven to nothing at halftime. It was seven to nothing. Portland State at half. They did come out and score 14 in the second quarter, but really just not a convincing win at all. I'm sorry. In the third quarter, they came out and scored um, two touchdowns in the third quarter. Exactly. Uh, but just pretty, pretty brutal win for Portland State. Maybe they're what we thought they were as well. 
bottom five team in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, and as you read off their uh, Western Oregon's previous matchups against other D2 schools, big losses, I adjusted my line in the Bobcat line for our, for our future segment on guest lines. Yeah. That's that's pathetic. So, yeah. All right. Yep, What's the, next? The next one, we have a battle of the future WAC rivals, Southern Utah versus Tarleton State, a game that everybody in the Big Sky really wanted to watch. They did out Southern Utah outlasted Tarleton State 40-35. to I honestly keep forgetting that SUU is even in the Big Sky Conference. They started out the season with two FBS teams and got drilled by both, but they were able to knock off a new FCS program from Texas and Tarleton State. Uh, Justin Miller had a big day for the Thunderbirds, passing for a 204 yards and four touchdowns, but it took a touchdown with only a daw, a buck 34 left in the game from running back Karis Davis to get the victory for future Utah Tech. But can Southern Utah just leave the conference now? Like, can they just get out? I don't know Please. what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We'll pay for bus fare. We'll do anything to get them out of this conference. I don't know what it is, but even when reviewing this game and looking at the stats, I'm bored. And I don't know how I can be bored looking at 75 points on the scoreboard. Uh, you know, some good offense, but I'm just bored. I cannot stand Southern Utah. Thoughts on this game that I'm sure that you had circled on your calendar when the schedule's released. None. Move on. All right, that's about it for Southern Utah and Tarleton. Uh, we're going to go with the next game. This was uh, – we're going to go to the uh, South Dakota and Cal Poly – Man, with Cal Poly's 28-17 win over San Diego looking weaker and weaker as more Big Sky teams beat up on the Toreros by 50-plus points, Cal Poly took it on the chin again at home against South Dakota. South Dakota does look like a pretty frisky team in the Valley and got out to an easy 41-7 lead at the half. Yikes. There was no easier bet on the card this weekend, in my opinion, than this game. And I don't get how whoever made this line for the books didn't realize that a good FCS team was playing Cal Poly. Horrible FCS team. The Stangs only managed 240 yards of offense and didn't even try to play defense, allowing the Yotes to rush for 353 yards and pass for another 262. If you're not a math major, that's like 515 yards total, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 515. Michael Manzare went for a... I think it is. (laughs) Six hundred fifteen. Six hundred. I said. Did I say six hundred fifteen the first time? Or did I say five fifteen? Six hundred fifteen yards. Producer Jerry, uh, check that, that part out. Yeah, Michael Manzari went for one hundred forty yards and a couple touchdowns for South Dakota, and firmly confirmed that Cal Poly is going to give Bo Baldwin a hell of a rebuilding project in Central California, and it doesn't get any easier for them uh, next week, but. Man, did you have? Did you think Cal Poly was a little bit frisky after their win against San Diego, or did you know that that was just fool's gold there? You know, it's tough to tell because San Diego, they, they had that little run of making the playoffs, which doesn't mean anything in their non-scholarship uh, division. But they also beat a couple of you know Big Sky teams, including NAU, although that was the year and he really didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, but they beat them in Flagstaff. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. that means something. That means something. Um, so, you know, I you thought it was a lock betting-wise. I stayed away because, you know, when, when a Dome team that's in the middle of the Missouri Valley Conference travels west to play on grass, I'm just not super confident about a two-touchdown two spread. Obviously, you were right. 
Uh, you forgot South it was Cal Poly. You, you just forgot that's, the team was yeah, Cal Poly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I should have known because Cal Poly burned me last spring when I bet on them against Southern Utah at home, and they looked horrendous. And then they quit after, was it two games they yeah. played this in the spring? So, you know, they are who we thought they were. And with that, well, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, we're going to go NAU at Arizona. The game of the week in the Big Sky. There was a game between two FCS squads we'll get to in a second that was touted as the game of the week, but this is the one that put the Big Sky Conference on the map. I talked a lot of shit about NAU last week, obviously only football-wise, because I would never say anything about their glorious uniforms. Um, I said they were wheeling mere hatchets instead of the axes. Lumberjacks should swing. And going into the game with the Wildcats, the Jacks hadn't won since 1932 against U of A, and even with the Wildcats being winless since October 2019, I can't believe it, but NAU was the team to break that streak. Wait, I thought <laughs> I thought the NAU was going to be the team that broke the streak um, for the Wildcats being winless, but nope. Somehow, some way, the Dapper team from Flagstaff knocked off Pac-12's Wildcats, twenty-one to nineteen. Looking at the box score, you do wonder, like, kind of how the hell it happened. NAU gained only two hundred fifty total yards, scored only two touchdowns. Turned the ball over three times and still outlasted the lowly Wildcats of U of A. Uh, so let me be the first to apologize to NAU for putting them last in my Big Sky Power Rankings. A great win. Another FBS victim for the Big Sky against a Power 5 conference team and a ton of confidence for NAU. How big of a surprise was this game to you? I mean, Arizona must be absolutely terrible this was a surprise i actually put just a little taste on arizona because i'm like i saw nau play south dakota and i'm south dakota will be interesting they're going to be frisky we'll see what they where they end up in the valley but nau got absolutely destroyed but from by what i thought was a middling valley team then they go on the road and beat a pac-12 team i don't care if arizona hasn't won since 2019 that's a pac-12 team you know they're they're recruiting out of uh arizona california you know they're getting guys they've got a great school a great party school it's not hard to get great athletes you get more scholarships i mean i we could keep going here but neu is not very good and they beat arizona that's just it's unbelievable i'm more surprised by that almost than any other of the upsets this year in the big sky with FCS versus FBS. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you there. You know, you we didn't think the Montana was going to go into Washington and beat them, but when it happened, you're like, okay, if a big sky team was going to do that, it was going to probably be someone like Eastern Washington or Montana, uh, the way they play up like that. You know, the UNLV game, UNLV was a shitty, shitty school, and you kind of saw, I mean, Eastern Washington has had some success against FBS squads in the past, especially when they had like Cooper Cup there. So you saw that one kind of wasn't as surprising as some other ones. But this NAU, a, sh- a really bad Big Sky team so far this year, going down to Tucson um, and knocking off Arizona was really something. It was, um, yeah, like I said, in my opinion, probably the most wild outcome of any of the FBS, FCS wins in just terms of pure surprise. When you were checking the score, it was one of the latest games on in the nation probably. Um, I think Arizona's still on Pacific time because we still their uh, daylight savings hasn't ended yet. So yeah, it was you know it was Pac-12 after dark down there, and they got absolutely ha- they got handled by the Jacks. And a little uni watch, the Jacks did wear they went with the white helmets with the navy blue axe, uh, the navy That's blue. Why. Yep, the navy blue tops and the white pants. So it went you know white on blue on white looked real good, real good. 
um, with some yellow triangles on the shoulder pad. So just think about those uh, jerseys in your mind, and then it doesn't become as surprising that NAU knocked off Arizona. But um, sure. quite the win for NAU. We'll see if that adds to some confidence. One of my favorite things is I was reading the ESPN article about this game afterwards, and the NAU coaches were up in the press box yelling that they own Arizona. It's their state. They run Arizona. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, but it's true. They were the only uh, Arizona team to win on uh, Saturday. ASU got knocked off by BYU, I believe. Arizona loses to NAU. NAU's the king of Arizona for a week at least. There you go. There you go. Which one do you want to do next? You want to go? You want to go Davis? Oh, you're stealing yeah, my Davis let's go team. Davis. All right, let's go Davis. So you know, number fourteen in the nation, UC Davis, sixty, the darlings of easy wins in the Big Sky out of conference schedule, Dixie State, twenty-seven, and you know I'm going to start this review by patting myself on the back. I was able to find a little diamond in the rough bet individual team over uc davis was listed on a legal gambling site in my state their total was 39 and a half okay it was lock of the century i tried to call you i don't know you were busy working on your tan or something but uh your boy h rod had a mediocre game stat wise but my fantasy back from the week prior, you know, I always. Oh wow, you're now you're early. like you're you're just like holding on to him like a keeper league. Like I had this guy on my fantasy yeah, team was, once. If if it was a keeper league, I would have dominated because Alonzo Gillum had a massive game. Yeah. He rushed for 178 yards, three touchdowns, while adding another TD through the air. Um, they put up 60. Their over under was 39 and a half. That was a lock, easy cash. You know, Davis is going to be interesting as we get into Big Sky Conference play. And you know what? We get to find out how interesting very soon as they travel to Ogden this weekend to take on Weber. Yeah. You know, like you said, my boy Hunter Rodriguez, you know, a pretty a pretty low-key game for his standards. But I'll come to his defense always. And he didn't need to do anything this game. Like you said, he had Alonzo nope, Gillum, 26 carries, 178 yards. He's averaging... When you average 6.8 yards a carry on 26 carries. Yeah, white pass. Like white pass the ball. Just feed Gilliam. Three touchdowns on the day for him. They also had a touchdown from Land Larson, Trent Hopkins, and my boy Hunter Rodriguez got one with his legs as well. So they had six rushing touchdowns. They did have two through the air. One Hunter got one. He got one, you know, poached from him by Carson Crawford, who I think is a wide receiver. But uh, just an all-around dominating performance by UC Davis. It does show that um, it doesn't just have to be Hunter Rodriguez through the air that's going to beat teams. You know, it's Dixie State, so you take it with a grain of salt. It was like, you know, the Cats beating up on San Diego and Drake. It was like um, UC Davis beating up on San Diego last weekend. You know, there's these wins that these teams are putting up a lot of points. You do know that it's against very, very inferior uh, FCS squads. But still, it just shows that UC Davis does have some balance here. You know, they scored eight touchdowns, six of them on the ground. They have a all-Big Sky quarterback from what we've seen so far, a contender to, to be a you know, first-team all-Big Sky going against Barry Arier uh, and a few others. But Hunter Rodriguez didn't need to do it uh, through the air, so he gets a pass on this game. I did have him again on my Big Sky Big Takes fantasy team. He let me down a little bit there, but I was going up against someone who had Eric Barrier with six touchdowns, so I was screwed from the beginning anyway on a career day like that. So 
Um, still a really impressive game from Davis to close out the conference or to close out the out of conference season three and zero. It was their first home game. They had a great crowd there. I think you know Bear Tycoon always talked and I have always talked about. If you see Davis can keep their program where they're at, they are a fun program to have in the Big Sky. A great stadium, a great atmosphere in Davis. Uh, you know, uh, a massive university that can get fans into that stadium would be a really fun addition to the Big Sky. Uh, instead of you know, like the Portland States, the Northern Colorados, the Southern Utahs that are giving us you know fifteen hundred people a game uh, from the home side, UC Davis winning is good for the conference. Um, and this was another just great win for UC Davis as they go into conference season. Um, so they'll be they'll be a beast, I think, this year. Like you said, we'll talk about it a little bit. They're traveling to Ogden to take on Weber. Weber just going through the gauntlet right now uh, to start off the season. But Davis's first test besides Tulsa, first FCS test coming up. We'll see how they do. But for right now, I think Davis um, top three easily in the Big Sky from what we've seen so far. I think you're right there. All right, before we get to our main event, we got one more game. Uh, number three in the FCS, James Madison traveled to Weber State. They took him down 37 to 24. Now, just like Eastern, the Red Turf, EB3, and all those guys are dead to you, well, Weber and JMU's defense are dead to me. I had this game in the last leg of a parlay, uh, the under 55 and a half. I hit my first three. This one was 17 to three at the half. And guess what? I didn't have an opportunity to middle. I looked at every legal app available in Illinois. I texted friends that have friends that may or may not have uh, legitimate books that they run. Nowhere could I get the middle on this game. And, and guess what happens? They put up a total of 41 points in the second half. You know, I don't know what happened, but both those vaunted defenses really let me down, let my pocketbook down. Uh, Nate, did you watch this game? I did. I did get to see this game. I was pretty excited about this game. It was a really fun beginning of the season clash. It's kind of like those FBS matchups when you get like Clemson, Georgia, um, what was supposed to be fun, like Auburn, Miami, like these really cool out-of-conference matchups uh, that get you excited for the season and get you a little bit of – Real football as compared to the exhibition games that like UC Davis and the Cats have played against the punching bags from the Pioneer League and from wherever the hell I think where's Dixie State? What com- are they? I think they're independent. Utah. Well, I know where it's at. I don't know oh. what conference they're in. <laughs> I think they're independent. I, I think I just found out they were in Utah. I, you know, I. Yeah, I think they're they're down by Zion Park, kind of little geography for yeah. you. Beautiful. It is. I think St. George, Utah, is where it's at. Kind of pretty area if you're into that. But anyway, yeah, I watched the game. I was excited about it, and it went the way I thought it was. And, you know, we've, we've been heavy gambling talk on this first part just because you and I really do enjoy that. I had this one pretty easily, uh, James Madison minus six, six and a half. I think I took the hook on that one. I, I thought that was going to be the case. You know, Weber State had some quarterback questions, some quarterback play issues. Uh, they were just getting Josh Davis back for this game. He went 16 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. So obviously it was good to have him back, but he didn't have that that impact that Josh Davis usually has on games, especially when they're not playing you know teams that are uh, not number three. But James Madison has a history of breaking Weber State's heart. I thought James Madison was going to come in with a lot of confidence, uh, just knowing that in the past they were able to handle Weber State somewhat easily um, in the different playoff games they've played against them. And James Madison definitely deserves to be – they were number three at the time. I think they stayed there this week in the polls. 
But James Madison deserves to be number three. They were a really good team. The score, I think, is a little bit uh, deceiving. I believe James Madison, I think, played a little bit better than showing that they were only seven points better by the end of the game. They had a 37-10 lead with 8:27 left in the game. They did let um, Weber State get on, uh, get two more touchdowns. One from a pass from Kyler Weiser to Rashid Shahid, and then a Josh Davis two-yard run uh, to get it to within 37-24. And this actually scared me just as much because I had seen what happened to my Eastern Washington bet. This one scared me a little bit when they started coming back and a field goal, a touchdown, anything by Weber State would have backdoor covered and I would have been, they would have been dead. Weber State would have been dead to me and the Weber State guys would have been dead to me. But luckily, James Madison kept the lead for me. I was cheering for Weber State in my heart. I wanted a big sky win against number three team, but uh, James Madison just showed that they're better than Weber State right now. Weber State may be a little bit inflated at the number nine team at the time. Uh, We'll see. Luckily, that's what we always talk about. We have a full, uh, we're not, you know, the polls don't dictate who gets in the playoffs. The polls don't dictate, uh, you know, one loss early in the season is not going to ruin your national championship plans. But um, James Madison, obviously, just the better team here. They were almost at 100% win percentage the whole game, uh, if you look at the ESPN probability. So um, fun game to watch, really fun to see, you know, under the lights. Weber State, good crowd, good atmosphere, but James Madison definitely Definitely the better team um, on the night. And even that 37-24 to 24 score is a little bit deceiving. I thought James Madison handled them pretty easily, um, all things considered. Hopefully Weber gets their, their quarterback situation figured out. Um, you know, I know Kyler Weiser looked pretty good when he came in uh, towards the end of the game. I believe Creighton Cooper um, got injured. I believe Weber's having some injury problems at quarterback, and Weiser looked pretty good. So they may have a little quarterback controversy or competition going on at Weber right now uh, heading into conference play. Anything else you saw from this game? Anything else uh, from the notes that you that you thought was interesting? Well, I mean, Weber State, they got embarrassed at JMU in the last legitimate season 2019 semifinal game. And so they really needed to make a statement. This was a big revenge game at home, okay? And they just didn't do it. I mean, they didn't... They got within uh, 13 points because they scored 14 in, in garbage time, basically is what happened. Mm-hmm. So they got blown out at home in a big revenge game. So I just I think it kind of shows where the teams are at across the FCS. I docked Weber State in my power rankings, but you know what? They have a tough schedule in the Big Sky Conference. They can easily earn their way back. And like we said earlier, it starts this weekend against UC Davis. Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be a tough tough conference season for Weber. They have a pretty pretty tough schedule this year, so they're going to definitely be able to prove it and be able to show us the team that was a, you know, a top 10 team going into this game, but James Madison obviously uh, outclassed them and got them over the weekend. And finally, Montana State's last out of conference game is in the books. They left no doubt that they would own the Pioneer League if they were a part of it. Uh, with a 45-7 to drubbing of the Drake. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at not Drake. Oh. Drake's in the Pioneer. Of San Diego. Of San Diego. It was a 52-10 to drubbing of San Diego. I can't. They all look. Drake's logo is the exact same color and looks so similar to San Diego's logo that I got them confused. But you're right. 52-10 to cats over San Diego. I apologize. 
This one was all Bobcats from the beginning. They took a 35 to nothing lead in the halftime. They ended the third quarter up 45 to seven. The second and third stringers got in. Let San Diego back into the game. Let them score, you know, seven points in that from seven ten points in that second half. Uh, but Montana State obviously uh, all over San Diego, 52 to 10. Fun game to watch. I talked about it last week going into this game, wondering how the Cats would come out and respond. They absolutely murdered Drake, 42-7, to whatever it was. And you wondered, knowing that they were playing almost the exact same team, like in the Sagarin ratings and probably skill-wise, what it was going to be like coming out and doing it all over again. Were they going to look past this? Looking at conference season, were they going to get bored playing these teams? And they did neither of those things, coming out and just absolutely from the start hammering San Diego. What were your initial thoughts uh, at the beginning of this game? I'm just liking how our defense is played. Uh, you know, and it's... I'll admit I'm a little nervous about next week. They're going to go into a stadium uh, that's going to have about, I don't know what, one-sixth of the fans as come to Bobcat Stadium against scholarship players. It's going to be a lot different. But they just overall have played solid football. You know, I was at yeah. the Wyoming game. You know, we can talk more about that uh, as we get into, you know, the later segments. But they've just played solid football on both ends. You know, the defense, they're swarming. Troy scoring that touchdown, that got the blood pumping. That was cool. I mean, th- what, those highlights are awesome. I mean, the, the way they're running the video, the camera action on those defensive highlights whenever a guy makes a pick, yeah. it's almost like they're on the field with them. You know, it's just shows the media department there at uh, MSU has come a long way since you and I, well, I dabbled, but you went to school <laughs> there. So, you know, it's it's just really cool to, like, pull up your Instagram or Twitter the next the next day. You know, you're having a few drinks, you're watching the game. You don't quite see the same angles. You know, you get to rewatch Troy's touchdown. You get to rewatch a couple of McKay's best passes. It, Man, I, I, I really want to get back to Bozeman and watch a few games because that's the other thing. Just listening to the fans, listening to them react, you know, I want to get there. This is a Homer Fest. Bear Tycoon, you're not here. We're just going to sit here and talk about how awesome the Cats looked. I don't care how many non-scholarship teams are going to play this year. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it just felt good to see a quarterback who can pass and the defense is still strong. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's the you're right. The defense has probably been the most outstanding thing. It's a little bit. I think uh, the offensive line play has been a little bit concerning. Isaiah Fonse hasn't re- really been able to get going with good blocking. He's made some great plays. He's rushed. He's had some great games rushing, but it's all him. It's he's the one making it happen. Um, you'd like to see Montana State's O line. I know it's a little bit inexperienced after a couple injuries, a transfer to Mizzou. Uh, different things that have happened, but um, that if you had to go and look at one of the the things that's not worrisome, but you, they're going to have to get better at if they're going to beat some of the you know teams that aren't in the bottom 200 of the Sagarin ratings, uh, they're going to need to have that offensive line step up and play a little better. Get Ifonse out in the open without him having to break three tackles to run for 50 yards because he's obviously still the explosive back we always knew he was. Just taking a little bit of time to get him going. I really loved how the Cats opened up the playbook a little bit and let McKay start getting some designed runs in there, which end, which then opened it up for some fake designed runs with some throws. There was one to Elijah Elliott that was super 
uh, a super great play call, just a fun one to watch where it looked like he was going to run up the middle on a draw and then got it to Elliott over the middle for a 55-yard or so touchdown uh, where there was nobody around him because everybody collapsed and thought McKay was running it. And then there was a little uh, dump-off pass uh, to get into the end zone, I think, to Snell early in the game. But McKay looks like all the things we needed at quarterback and all the things that uh, Coach Vegan has had in quarterbacks in the past. He looks like, you know, he looks the part. He is playing better than we've had quarterback play in the last six years with the six or seven quarterbacks we've had. So I think McKay's been super exciting. And then like you talked about, the defense. Uh, two pick sixes this game, one by Ty Okada uh, at the beginning of the of the second quarter, which is uh, fantastic. Like you said, the highlights that you get to see a fantastic uh, return on that play. Had his fellow cornerback uh, running down the field with him, setting the last block to get him in the end zone. And then a lot of people, including us, talked about were we ever going to see Troy Anderson score another touchdown at Bobcat Stadium now that he's full-time linebacker? Well, he picked off a pass uh, in the second quarter. Both of those were in the second quarter, actually. But he picked off a pass in the second quarter, returned it 40 yards for a touchdown. It was so nostalgic and just so awesome to see Troy get back in the end zone like he did so many times in his first three full seasons with the Cats. So that was just, um, if nothing else, that was probably the thing I remembered most from the day was Troy getting into the end zone like he used to do. And he's really figuring it out, I think, too. I think the first couple games at the linebacker position was a little bit hard for him. He looked a little bit out of sorts. He was—he looked like he was pressing. He had a couple penalties. I know he had one roughing the passer. I think he just wanted to hit somebody and make an impact. But Troy's looking a lot better, a lot more comfortable, and you couldn't ask for a better time for that to happen going into conference season and getting him some some full games under his belt at linebacker, not asking him to come in, you know, run a play at quarterback real quick, go back to linebacker, get in on special teams, block an extra point, all the stuff that he does. I think Troy's finally figuring it out, and that's super exciting for this already really strong Montana State defense. And it, yeah, it's it's fine. Montana, I mean, Montana State's defense right now. Three games, one against FBS, two against shitty FCS squads. But either way, only giving up 259 a game right now. Um, and that, that does include that game against Wyoming in there. Um, that's pretty impressive. Only four touchdowns on the year given up by the defense. 260 yards a game. We would take that all season long if we could get that. So I think that is where, you know, that is that's obviously been the spotlight or the, the, the brightest spot so far of the out of conference for the cats is a really, really stout defense. The offense looks good too against inferior opponents. It'll be interesting to see how McKay does against some better defenses. But for right now, I think you have to be happy as a cats fan, just to see a legit quarterback under center. Yeah. And it's not okay. You can talk about their defense going up against San Diego and Drake, but look what they did against against Wyoming and what Wyoming has done since then. Wyoming has put up a ton of points, uh, you know, against Northern Illinois, who came off a big win the week before in FBS play, and then they come back home, Wyoming does, and puts up a ton of points against Ball State. That was another lock of mine, Wyoming minus 6.5. But it just shows that Wyoming has a decent offense in the FBS, and Montana State pretty much controlled them the whole game in that first game this year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to see how this defense continues to grow and get better. And you, and you just notice that they haven't really missed a step with Coach Vegan taking over. He took over in a really weird time when Choate left. They didn't get to play a season, you know, trying to keep your guys engaged, keep those guys on the team that, you know, were leading this team during the Choate era. And I've been pretty impressed just 
first three out of conference games for Vegan came in, almost beat Wyoming, should have beat Wyoming, handed it to two Pioneer League teams. It doesn't really matter that they were Pioneer League teams, but he handed it to them. You know, almost a, it was a, almost 100 points between the two games. That's fun to see. He's going to keep his foot on the gas pedal. He's going to show uh, that these cats have talent. And, you know, this is a, a really exciting out-of-conference season for us. We didn't get to play any D2 schools. Great game against an FBS, two blowout wins. Uh, there's a lot of momentum for these cats, and I, I'm really excited to get started with out-of-conference play or in-conference play next week against Portland State. All right, so that is out of conference. We are back in conference. The Grizz are back. They didn't get a win last week, unfortunately, uh, but back this week to try and get a win to open up the conference season. We'll start with them. We'll we'll be nice and let them go first. It's Montana hosting Cal Poly at Washington Grizz Stadium. Bobby Houck versus Bo Baldwin once again. They haven't played in a while, I don't think. Um, used to be quite a, you know, uh, two massive names in the FCS coaching world. Bo Baldwin, not so much because where he's at now, but for what he did at Eastern Washington. But that's about the only interesting parts of this game, I'm assuming, is going to be these coaching names. Because this one, I think, is going to be an absolute bloodbath. This is the Grizz playing the Drakes, the San Diegos, and the Dixie States of our conference to open up the uh, conference season. I only see this going one way, and it's Cal Poly maybe quitting the rest of their season after the Grizz get done with them at home. Initial thoughts from you? What are you thinking? Are you on the same page with me that this one is just over before it it starts? It shouldn't be close. I really don't see, I mean, I think, you know, the Grizz fan pod, others have talked about, you know, mostly with our prodding, what are the odds, you know, what, what would happen to have that 1%, that 2% chance of Cal Poly pulling this off. And it's, you know, you can joke about, you know, just horrible accidents, sickness, flu games, but it's just not going to happen. Um, and it looks like 2018 was the last time they played. Uh, Grizz won by 20 back then. If they win by 20 on Saturday, it'll be a disappointment unless they yeah. put in their subs in the second quarter because we'll get into this. We're going to guess the lines at the end of each preview, but this should not be close. Uh, they sh- Grizz should win by at least four touchdowns, and it'll be a good opportunity for them to try some stuff out. You know, the only concern maybe is that it's a trap game for the Grizz because the next week they have to go to Eastern Washington and play on that ugly red turf. On ESPN other than too. that, other than that, I can't think of any way the Grizz. You know, and here's the thing: it's it's the defense. When you when your team has a great defense, it's very rare you lose these games against inferior opponents. You know, sometimes a good offense can you know, run into problems and when your defense is giving up points against anyone, that's when you get upset. But when your defense is great and deep, you're not going to lose home games to inferior opponents that you should beat by 30 points. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, and speaking of defense, that's a a good segue because I was looking at this, um, you know, we don't talk about a ton of stats on this podcast, but Montana's defense right now, two games played, they're only giving up 221 yards a game, and that includes, at the time, number 20 in the country, Washington. That's super impressive. 
221. Oh my gosh, that's a hard word to, number to say. 221 <laughs> yards. So that includes Washington and includes Western Illinois, which yeah. put up 30 some, 40 some points, 50 some points against Eastern Washington. So not two shitty offenses that the Grizz have played, and they've held them to 221 yards a game average. You go down. The last place defense right now statistically in the conference by a long shot is Cal Poly. Three games played. Now, granted, one of those was against a now top 25 team in Fresno State, which is actually really impressive this year, Fresno State is. But 570 yards allowed per game by Cal Poly's defense. That's 100 yards worse than the second worst team in Idaho State. And Southern Utah, they're about the same. 570 yards allowed a game. Montana's offense right now is 375 yards a game against a Pac-12 defense um, and a porous defense in Western Illinois. But either way, you're going, you're you're taking the the top six offense in the Big Sky Conference going against probably one of the worst defenses in the country, not just the Big Sky, but in the country right now. That is where, like you said, defenses win games and lose games. Defense is absolutely going to lose them this one. And then you look, though, you're like, okay, Cal Poly's defense sucks. Maybe maybe they have a decent offense, even though the Grizz defense is good. No, Cal Poly's second to last in the conference in offense as well, only uh, under 300 yards a game. They're a bad team. They're not going to be able to move the ball against the Grizz. They're not going to be able to stop the Grizz. I see this game looking like a Grizz versus Pioneer League school game. I don't see any difference between this Cal Poly team and Drake or San Diego, besides they're giving these guys scholarships to athletically lose these games to the Big Sky Conference opponents. So like you said, I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. There's no way Montana loses this game with the defense they have at home to start out the conference season. They want to they want to make a statement, I think, before that Eastern Washington game. I don't think it's a trap game because they're looking forward to it. I think they want to make a statement showing Eastern Washington you're going to get beat on the red turf on ESPN2 in front of the entire nation who's going to be watching that game next weekend because they need to catch up on all their bets and it's going to be the last game on TV. So I look at this one as Montana going out, proving something against Cal Poly, absolutely demoralizing them, and kind of shooting a warning shot over to Eastern Washington saying we're coming for you next weekend. If we're looking at this line, if you're making this line right now, what was your guess the line for this one and how many points – Better is Montana. Well, this is one of those things where I put it at what I think it should be rather than what it, you know, what I think the books will put it at. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's got some potential trap game possibilities. You know, Bobby might be a little coy with uh, first conference game when he knows Eastern's coming up next. Uh, I put it at twenty eight and a half. That's probably low, but for a conference game when. They're favored by around the same against non-scholarship teams. That's still a pretty huge line. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I was looking at this, like I've said, I think three times now to keep repeating myself, but this is like a good Big Sky team against any Pioneer League school. Montana State was 29.5, I believe, in the game against Drake. 31.5 point favorites in the game against San Diego. I look at it the same. Yeah. I was going to go with these guys. And Montana Parlay and I did not compare our lines before we got on here and, and try to make any concerted effort to be close. I had them at 29.5 in this game. You had them at 28.5. So we're right on the same page there. This one's about as big as you can get in a spread between two FCS schools. And if that's what it is, it's a stay away from me because, you know, 
as I said before, uh, good defenses don't lose to bad teams. Good coaches don't lose to bad teams. And as much as we hate to admit it, Bobby's a good coach. So they're going to have goals. When, when you're a good coach against a very bad team, you have to come up with goals that aren't specific to you know winning. Because you, you're going to win. You have to win. It's expected to win. And right now, the Grizz are sitting on a scoreless defensive quarter streak. No one has scored against their defense since the first quarter in that first game with Washington. That's seven quarters in a row. They want to make it 11, so that's one goal right there. Is we sh- Our defense shuts them down. Or at the very least, our defense does not allow a touchdown. You know, And... They're going to go all out for that goal, no matter how crappy Cal Poly is, no matter what the score gets to. I think another goal Montana's going to work on, Bobby's going to work on, is getting that running game going. You know, they've got a lot of guys. You know, they Marcus Knight's still injured. Um, you know, they've they had that other guy who was looking good. Shoot, he's escaping me right now. But he had a fumble, and Bobby hates fumbling. So he's going to try to find a guy that he can trust. He wants to establish the run. And that tells me that, you know, he doesn't care about covering 28 and a half, 29 and a half. If the Grizz come out winners at 24 to nothing or 27 to 3, they're happy. They're moving on to next week. So, you know, if, if it is a 27, 28, 29 point spread, be careful out there, gamblers. Be careful. Yeah, and so we talk about the Sagarin ratings a lot on this show. I know you don't you don't subscribe to Jeff Sagarin's Bible, but a nice new thing there is they do have an analytical an analytical prediction on this game. Not so much in the score, but in the percentage probability that the Grizz are going to win. And right now, the Grizz are a ninety six percent probability to win this game against Cal Poly. Cal Poly is. 220 in the Sagarin rating out of 250 schools, so there's only 30 of them ranked below Cal Poly. Um, it's going to be, like you said, it's it's over before it starts, but that's a good point. You go out there, you work on something, you almost use it maybe as a live scrimmage that also gets you an FCS uh, win and a conference win. I stay away from this one as well if I'm betting. I don't want to bet a, um, a spread that high. The only thing I would look at would be the over-under on this game. Uh, I had some luck with the Cats, two over-unders. Just, they almost did it both weeks themselves. Um, so that would be the only thing I would look at uh, if I'm better. First half. Don't forget the first halves, you know, because the Grizz could put it away early. You know, if that spread is, say, 18 and a half in the first half, that that's something I could, could bet on right there. Yeah. yeah, so that's enough talking nicely about the Grizz, <laughs> I suppose. I uh, agree. We'll I move agree. on to our, our squad, our school. Montana State Bobcats heading into the conference season 2-1, and 2-0 and against FCS opponents, taking on a team we've talked about a little bit more than we thought we would uh, in the out-of-conference schedule is Portland State Vikings coming into the game 1-2, and two, the one win against Division II Western Oregon, which we went over earlier in the podcast, a pretty lackluster win for the Vikings. So the Vikings come in, they played Hawaii, they played Washington State, and they played pretty well against both of those squads, so... Going into that Western Oregon game, we thought, okay, this might be a team Montana State's going to have to go to Oregon or Portland, play in a stadium that 
is basically a glorified high school stadium that does serve beer, which is pretty impressive. But going over there, it could be one of those games where this is the first one they've played at that'll be less than probably five digits on the on the attendance. You know, they played at a sold-out Wyoming. They played at two sold-out Bobcat stadiums, and now they have to go to Portland State. That atmosphere is going to be a little bit of a change, especially after not having played uh, in this kind of atmosphere since, you know, 2019. But this should be a game that Montana State is able to, to come out with a win. It's one that every fan is expecting them to to, to come out um, victorious, to come out with a 1-0 conference record after the weekend is over. Um, it's a game that Brett Vegan, uh, no doubt, is expecting to win. He wants to get his first Big Sky Conference win uh, of the year. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun to see uh, the Cats play someone that's not, again, in the Pioneer League. I got a little bit boring. It's going to be fun to see them go up against another Big Sky squad that looked a little bit frisky against two FBS opponents. I'm looking forward to the game. I think the Cats win this game. But I don't think it's going to be an absolute blowout like they've done the last two weeks. What are your initial thoughts kind of looking at this Montana State-Portland State game? This one makes me I'm a little bit nervous. I, not that we're going to lose. It's just I, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those games where you're just a little on edge throughout the first couple quarters. Then it's going to hopefully... You know, or it could come down to turnovers if that's the case, just like they always do. Hopefully, that's not the case. Hopefully, we blow them out, blow the doors off of them. But what I'm looking at here is, you know, yeah, Portland State did well at Hawaii. Portland, that was first game of the year. Portland State did well at Washington State. I don't know if Washington State's very good. Um, Montana State's defense should win this one. You know, they they held. Wyoming to 19. Wyoming put up 50 and then 45 against FBS teams in the next two weeks. Portland State just scored 21 against Western Oregon. Now, I know trap game, whatever the heck you want to say about that, when you've got an FCS team that's in one of the best, if not the best, conference in the Big Sky, your third stringer should put up 21 a quarter against a D2 team like Western Oregon. So the fact that they only won 21-7, to you know, that should be enough for us to be confident going into this game. But then you have to think about that high school stadium, uh, you know, the fact that their quarterback did look good against FBS schools. So, you know, we're not talking 27, 28, 29-point spreads like the Grizz got, but the Cats should win this easily. It's just one of those where I'm not going to be confident until the Cats are up by two scores late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and you talk about the defense, and we went over Montana State stats uh, only allowing 259 a game uh, in their first three games. Portland State's defense is at the bottom of the barrel, uh, bottom four in the big sky. They're allowing 436 yards a game in their three, in their three games. Again, what are stats worth right now um, having them play Hawaii and Wazoo, both of which look like pretty weak FBS teams right now. Um, Wazoo uh, blowing a lead against USC last week, losing to Utah State two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Hawaii, just not a very good uh, Mountain West team by any means. So I think those two games did get us a little bit too high on Portland State. We were looking at it probably as the cover kings. They covered against those two schools, and they didn't get their – 
asses handed to them like Idaho did against their two FBS uh, matchups. But maybe they showed us who they really are in that Western Oregon game. I'm almost talking myself more into it a blowout now after I think through it logically and without being the pessimistic Cats fans that we can sometimes be. But um, like you said, it's going to be a game that I just I, I want them to come out strong. I want them to come out firing. I want them to get on the board quickly like they did against Drake, like they did against San Diego. Uh, really like they did against Wyoming. They came out and scored first against Wyoming. Get on the board first, set the tone, show them that uh, they're not a frisky team over there in Portland, that they are uh, you know, a bottom 5-6 team that we thought they were going to be going into this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I think they get. I think they handle it. I'm, I'm talking myself into a blow now. I just talked myself statistically through, <laughs> and the Cats are going to win this one easily. I'm calling it now. Now the line is a different story. What did you have uh, for your preview or for your guess the line on this one? Well, I I've got all kinds of lines now because originally I put six and a half. Bobcats being six and a half point favorites. It's a tough road game against a team that's been frisky against FBS opponents and was 2-0 against the spread against FBS opponents. Then you read me those those scores that Western Oregon had, and I had to boost. I had to juice it up a little bit. I put it a little too high, but I've come to a consensus of 11.5. Bobcats favored by 11.5. You know, if if, uh, Bauman was – or wait, yeah. If if they were doing – Barnum. Bauman's our backup quarterback. Okay. (laughs) Too many Bs. If Barnum was giving away free beers and the bookkeepers knew that you and I were traveling to Portland, the spread might be 13 and a half. But I'm going to settle on 11 and a half, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was down as low as six and a half. Wow. So I am. Final answer. I'm way, way different. I'm I'm way different than that. I'm I'm almost, almost a touchdown different. I'm having this more of UNC got 18 points or giving up 18 points against Lamar. UNC was favored by 18 against Lamar. At home. At home, yes. But I had this game at 16 and a half. Mm. Montana State favored uh. by 16 and a half. That's where I had it. You know, I looked at um, South Dakota Cal Poly. That was 14 points. I looked at Eastern Washington versus Western Illinois last week. That was double digits. If they were listed, if I got them on a book less than a touchdown, like you said, that six and a half, if I got them less than 10, I'm going to – actually put money on my team. I don't ever bet on Montana State, except for the overs. Um, I would put money on them if they're a single digit to 10-point uh, favorite in this one. I have it at 16.5 on my on my guess, the spread. Um, I was thinking about lowering it, and then I talked myself right back into being three scores difference between uh, the two squads. Um, the Sagarin ratings on this one, the preview that they have, they have Montana State as a 77% probability to win this game against Portland State. Um, so, you know, it's probably about what we thought it would be. If you were going to ask somebody what the probability of Montana State beating them, now they'll just be seeing what the what that score ends up being. Portland State right now is ranked 175 in the Sagarin, which is actually four spots behind Northern Arizona uh, and uh, six spots ahead of Southern Utah. So they're... Um, not a great team by any means in the Sagarin ratings. Montana State, comparatively, is uh, now the number three Sagarin-ranked team in the Big Sky at 113. So there's about a 62-rank uh, uh, two, difference between the two squads. Um, and I do lend some credence to that when I looked at my line. So um, either way, 
it's going to be fun to see the Cats come out in a conference game, something that does mean something besides just getting an FCS win for your playoff resume. Uh, really looking forward to that game. That game's at uh, 3 o'clock Mountain Time from Hillsboro, Oregon. So you better believe that we'll be tuning into that one to see uh, what the Cats can do against their first Big Sky squad. So I think you and I are both in agreement. The uh, home state squads of the Cats and the Grizz are going to roll this weekend uh, and head into next weekend 1-0 in conference play. Any other notes on our two hometown squads before we kind of do a lightning round and hit the rest of the Big Sky uh, slate of games? Now that you said the 77%, I've, I think that the books are following some of that. I'm going to go 13 and a half. That's, that's my guess of what the books put it at. All right. So, 13 and a half. So a little bit less than two touchdowns. So if you think the Cats are going to get uh, the win by 14, make sure you legally put some, legally put some money down on that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like we talked about, Montana State opened up the season with two easy games. You know, a pretty favorable start to the conference season with between Portland State and then Northern Colorado coming up next. Uh, so Montana State, you know, they've been given the schedule to start out and prove that they're a top 10 team in the country, prove that they're a top three team in the power rankings in the Big Sky Conference, uh, and they'll get their first chance to, to really lay it down and prove it uh, come Saturday. So let's look around the rest of the Big Sky. We'll go outside the state of Montana. The first game that we're going to look at um, and quickly go through is at 1 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time from Pocatello, Idaho, the Idaho State Bengals hosting the Sacramento State Hornets. We don't know much about Idaho State. We didn't even talk about them uh, at all on this show yet because they were off last week. They started out the season with a loss to North Dakota, 35-14. to They went to FBS Nevada and got beat 49-10 before last week's bye week. Don't really know much about Idaho State. Honestly, forgot that they were in the conference these first three weeks. You didn't really hear much about them after that loss to North Dakota because they went and played that Nevada team that's decent in the Mountain West. And now they get to host Sac State on Saturday. Not knowing much about Idaho State, what are your first impressions when you look at this game? I mean, it's one of those, it's like, we find out who is the king of the 10 through the 6 seeds. You know, what, what else more is there to say there? Maybe, 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 maybe Sac State can get a little frisky and make a push at a playoff run. But other than that, I mean, if we would have done Big Sky Fantasy Builder again, we had some scheduling conflicts with the Big Sky Big Takes pod this week. That This would have been a great game for that. You know, I had a lot of receivers on my watch list in this game. But I... I don't know what else is to say about this game because Idaho State stinks. We thought maybe they'd be frisky. We they always stink. think that for some reason. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because they put up a couple decent games at home in that ridiculous indoor facility they have. I think, you know, you barely have enough room between the walls and the field in certain areas. It's, it's a weird place to play. Uh, some teams struggle there. But overall, they stink. Sac State, hey, they've got some talent. You know, if they yeah. figure out the QB situation, if O'Hara can come in and run the ball too, uh, they've got a lot of talent on the offensive side. I, I'm rooting for Sac State to make the playoffs again or, or push for that, you know, fifth team in the in the big sky to have a playoff spot. So I'd like to see Sac State roll in this if I'm, if 
I'm being honest. Yeah, and Sac State, through the three games they played, Sac State, just a reminder, beat Dixie State 19-7, to which is a very lackluster win there against a yeah, really bad, bad now. team. It looks bad now. A 34-16 to loss to University of Northern Iowa, and then a 42-30 loss to FBS Cal. Sac State, through those three games, has a top three offense in the Big Sky Conference of 441 yards a game. Um, but that... Uh, they, they're a middle-of-the-ground defensive team, allowing almost 370 yards a game. So you can't really tell much from that defense. They're middle of the pack. They're right, you know, they're one spot ahead of Eastern Washington's poorest defense that we saw uh, come into play last weekend. But Sac State, you're right. They do have, they do have talent on that offensive side. Uh, in Dotson at the running back, they have, um, you know, now it looks like Dunningham, Dunaway, whatever his name is, uh, is a decent quarterback. You know, from all things considered, what he did against Cal last week, a Power 5 team. And if they have O'Hara incoming, that change of pace quarterback who, you know, if they get a team to commit to the run enough when they think he's coming in to run the ball and he can give some passes over the top. You know, I think this is their, this is a game that Sacramento State wins. I think Idaho State is a bottom of the, of the pack Big Sky Conference team. It would be quite a statement game if Idaho State could come out um, and, and knock off Sac State, but I think this is a game Sac State has to win if they have any chance of keeping that reputation of being a top six team in the Big Sky. If they keep any, if they have any hope of keeping that stature that they had when Kevin Thompson uh, was quarterback there and, and trying not to be a flash in the pan squad in the Big Sky, um, and they have to keep up with their you know crosstown ish rivals UC Davis. Davis looking really good right now. Sac State. They want, to, they want to match that as well. So a lot on the line in this first game for Sac State to show us who they really are. What was your line guess uh, on this game? I got Sac State minus six. All right. That was, I, had, I had Sac State minus six and a half. So I think you and I both around the same there. Um, a touchdown favorite right now. We may be way off on this. We may be just like the books. We just don't know anything about Idaho State. I really don't know um, if Idaho State – can stay with Sac State, but I also don't want to put the line so high uh, that we're giving Sac State a lot of credit because that first game against Dixie State, that's a clunker, 19-7 to against a squad like yeah. that. They looked not, they didn't look very good against Northern Iowa either. So, you know, I think we're erring on the side of caution there and we're trying to see what Sac State is before we start giving them any respect that would come from being a touchdown plus favorite. Absolutely. All right, what's the next one? Next up, we have the best-dressed Versus my least favorite team in the conference besides Southern Utah. We have Northern Arizona traveling to that sprint turf in Greeley. It looks amazing. The Jacks versus the Northern Colorado Bears. They switched spots probably in everybody's power rankings this weekend. Everybody had Northern Arizona as one of the shittiest squads in the big sky. Then they beat Arizona last weekend. We had Northern Colorado maybe being a little friskers with some names like McCaffrey on the squad. With like a McCaffrey leading the team from the sidelines. And then they go out there and absolutely sting it up against Lamar, a very shitty FCS squad. Northern Colorado right now ranked 190 in the Sagarin ratings. Like I said, Northern Arizona went up quite a bit to get to 171 after that win against Pac-12 Arizona. God, I don't care who wins this game at all. I just know that the Lumberjacks are going to be looking fly when they come out in Greeley. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. You don't care. I don't think Vegas is going to care. I think this game is going to be a pick em. Um I'd love to see NAU pick up some steam, although, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, either. I don't can, even know can what to say Can that be my answer? Can that be my answer? I don't care. 
Uh, I'm calling a pick'em. You know, it's not going to be more than three either side. If it is, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Northern Arizona they caught they caught a really bad FBS squad on a bad night, which equals just devastation for Arizona and that squad. And I don't know how they're going to recruit after losing to Northern Arizona like that, especially in state when you have Herm Edwards over at Arizona State. So that was a devastating loss for Arizona. It's like one of those things. It's like you have a handicap in golf. And your handicap is what you're supposed to, you know, shoot on a really good day playing golf. And you go out there and you play in a tournament. And maybe you're a 10 handicap and then you shoot like 25 over. And everybody wonders, like, what the hell happened? That's what happened to Arizona. They are an FBS team on a good day. And they had one of the worst games that they've probably had in the last five years to lose to Northern Arizona. I don't think Northern Arizona jumps up or is going to surprise anybody after two real bad losses one against fake national champion sam houston state and a bad loss against south dakota i think you're right i think this one's a pick em. i think that if this game was in flagstaff it maybe is three points northern arizona's way maybe i don't even know that might be giving them a little bit too much credit so i think you're right it's i don't care it's a pick em, and i would stay the hell away from this game because i think northern arizona comes back down to earth I think Northern Colorado sucks, and they were just they caught Houston Baptist, a really bad FCS squad, and won a game, and we were actually like impressed that they won a game, which is saying something. So I'm with you. It's a pick 'em, and it's a stay away. Yeah, and since you brought up golf, I mean, I'm golfing for the first first time. I'm golfing 18 holes this year in Michigan. Friday, I'm doing a little wedding weekend with some friends. Oh, nice! Sounds like a nice uh, little weekend. You know, speaking of handicaps, I don't even know where mine would be. What would you set my over-under at? 92 and a half? Ooh. Would that be fair? So when's the last time you played golf? I played nine holes in April. Nine holes in April. Have you swung I've a club not, since then? Oh, I, I, I did a little top golf in Vegas in okay. August. Any mini golf? Oh, I did do some mini golf. Two, two rounds of mini two, golf. 36 I, holes of mini golf. Yeah, I, I was putting pretty well. I I started, I went on a date a couple weeks ago, last week maybe. Two must, have been, must have been really good. To start the round. Yeah. Must have been a good date. Must have been a good date. Um, I'm sure she's a listener to this pod, and I'm sure that oh. uh, she'll be really glad that uh, you can't remember when the date was. Yeah, the last listener, to, last date I had that listened to a pod, like, I think blocked me after a week or two. So I hope she's not listening. Hope she's not listening. Anyway, all right. So over under, you played two rounds of mini golf, one top golf, and nine holes. I'm setting it. I'm setting. That's a good line at 92. And if I'm a betting man, I'm taking the over. Yeah, probably smart. (laughs) All right. So back, back. We'll stay away from Parlay's dating game and back into the real games here. Um, UC Davis heading to Weber State. This game is one that obviously. Yes. This is a game that we. I mean. We, we obviously are going to watch our Cats play Portland State at three mountain time. Perfect timing for this Weber State-UC Davis game to come on. It's in Ogden, 6 p.m. mountain time. Right when that Cats game ends, switch over on ESPN Plus over to the Weber State-Davis game. This has all the makings of an early season classic. UC Davis, Sagarin ranking 112. Weber State, Sagarin ranking 115. They are analytically the exact same squad, basically. So if the computers were looking at this, it's obviously a pick But when you look at the two squads here, UC Davis, the number two offense right now in the conference, 485 yards a game. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the biz in Hunter Rodriguez going against 
a Weber State squad that didn't look fantastic last week against James Madison. Granted, it was the number three team in the country. Weber State has the number five defense right now, only giving up 354 yards. Something has to give here. Top two offense, top five defense. It's going to be a fun game regardless. It's a game that I'm super excited we have right off the top to really shake up the rankings, to really prove that UC Davis is above Weber State in both the top 25 polls and in the Big Sky area in our Big Sky Power Rankings. But when you look at this game, what excites you most about these two squads matching up in the first conference game? Well, is Weber going to finally step up and uh, meet preseason expectations? Because I think – if I, if I remember correctly, Weber State was number one in our power poll in the first week. A lot of guys are sticking with that whole, you know, poll system where, you know, you're keeping them high. Uh, even if they don't look too good, they look not great at all against uh, James Madison. Uh, you know, the Utah game was a weird one, big lightning delay. Then, of course, Dixie State. What, what, what can you learn from a team in a game like that? So Weber needs to step up and prove something. And Davis, you know, they've had a great offense. They had a huge uh, first game win. You know, over Tulsa. F- yep. Over Tulsa. Who almost beat so, Notre Dame the following weekend after that. Yeah. So I kind of think that whether or not the line opens this way, that UC Davis ends up a slight favorite. Just slight. Like, this is going to be close. It should be a great game. But, you know, if UC Davis gets rolling, can Weber even score? You know, that's the question. Can they keep up this offense? Yeah, exactly. So, I'll be very interested in the over-under more than anything. Uh, The individual team over-unders, too. The the first half, second half over-unders. I think the spread's going to be UC Davis minus two. What do you okay. think? No, I think I, I, I had a two and a half. I like putting that half on there because it makes it sound more official when you put a hook on it. You, you're, you're keeping with Davis? I'm going with favorite. Davis. I'm going with Davis. Right. I look at their I look at their re- yeah, I look at their resume, and it's more impressive. Wins over Tulsa, like you said. Massive blowout against San Diego, which you should do and did do. Massive blowout over Dixie State. They've put up 113 points in the last two weeks. They have a ground game that – ran all over Dixie State last weekend. They have a great quarterback in Hunter Rodriguez. Like, they're healthy. They have they know who their quarterback's going to be. They know who their bell cow is going to be in the running back position. Weber State doesn't have that. Weber State probably doesn't know who they're starting quarterback yet. At least we don't know who Weber State's going to start at quarterback yet. Is Josh Davis healthy? James Madison basically neutralized him. One touchdown, 53 yards. There's way more questions on the Wildcats side than UC Davis's side. I think UC Davis comes in rolling right now. Their offense is not scared of anybody. Weber State's defense, you know, always their kind of calling card and what they're known for in the big sky. Didn't do much to stop James Madison last week. I know James Madison had, I think, a fumble return for seven. So they gave up 30 points, I believe. But either way, I think UC Davis right now is the more complete team with less question marks. I have them as the favorite, just like you do, just based on resume and based on kind of the eye test. I put them at two and a half, like I said, the hook, just to make it sound more uh, official, like I really am a bookie, uh, or I'm a book making that line. So you and I are on the same page here as well. I think uh, I think that'd be a tough line to bet with it being in Ogden, with Weber coming back. Weber has obviously kind of run the big sky the last few years. So maybe it's James Madison that's their kryptonite, and they get back to big sky kind of being the kings of the big sky again. 
Uh, so I don't know if I bet this game without knowing who's starting at quarterback for Weber and how healthy Josh Davis is, and then would kind of go from there. But I, I think you're right. The over-under should be an interesting one here um, to see a, a top two offense in the conference, only behind Eastern Washington going against a Weber State defense that maybe we over overrated a little bit based on past reputation yeah yeah and i hope i get to watch it like i said i'll be at a wedding it'll be about reception time espn Um, plus on your phone oh yeah i got my phone i'll bring my tablet fully charged might even talk someone into putting it on the tv the groom's a big sports fan i i gave him two locks last week (laughs) for his betting you know pleasure so he might give me the benefit of a doubt and put on some F's, some big sky football for me. And are you are you are you taking the mini golf girl to this wedding? No, it's it's you know she's a great gal, <laughs> but but that's it's a it's a four hour drive. Is it too oh, early? Too early. And that, I'm a, four hour three a four hour I'm drive. A four hour drive. Staying there for three nights. Ooh, so, a four hour drive yeah. plus three nights with a brand new. Fling. Yeah, it, that's a lot. That's a lot. It was one mini ask. golf round. You know, maybe after three mini golf rounds. Oh, so the two mini golf rounds were with two different people. <laughs> one wasn't a date. So oh, let's okay. get let's get back to the football. <laughs> All right, in our final game of the week. Eastern Washington taking on the school that I probably hate more than any other school in the Big Sky Conference. A cl- Not even a close second, really, to – or a close most hated team in Northern Colorado. It's Eastern Washington, Southern Utah. In Cedar City, Utah, not to be confused with St. George, Utah, where Dixie State is from. Cedar City, Utah. At 6 p.m. Mountain Time, it's the Eagles. It's the Thunderbirds. It's a game that – I assume is going to go the way of like a Grizz Cal Poly initial thoughts. What are you looking at when you see this game on the schedule? Uh, can Southern Utah leave the conference yesterday? That's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't really uh, blame you for thinking that because they suck in every sense of the word. So anyway, so Eastern Washington right now, obviously coming off a weird win against uh, Western Illinois in a win that saw Barrier maybe a little bit injured or hurt in that second half. Didn't quite look himself. Looked like there maybe some okay. some foot things that. going on. Some foot things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how – No, it's not good. But at the same time, Eastern Washington is quarterback university. Whoever their backup is is obviously going to come in and do fine against Southern Utah. But Eastern Washington right now, Sagarin ranking 129. They actually dropped a little bit after that win against Western Illinois just because how close that game was in the end. Taking on Southern Utah, who's 181 in the Sagarin rankings, which puts them right between Portland State and Idaho for comparison's sake. Um, in the Sagarin ratings. This is one of those ones that's not quite as close of a game um, that we kind of previewed, like UC Davis or NAU, Northern Colorado. It's a game that uh, is probably going to be a double-digit win for the Eagles, even on the road. It's not like they you know, have a great home atmosphere anyway besides the Red Turf, so it's not like they're going to be missing that much stuff when they go on to the road. But Eastern Washington... If Barry is healthy, this game is so far over at halftime that we will not be turning over to this one instead of the um, the UC Davis-Weaver game. This one is going to be, I mean, I would assume over by halftime. Sagarin has this, at a, interestingly, a 73% probability for Eastern to win, which I think is 
crazy considering that's 4% less probable than Montana State being beating Portland State, which comes as a surprise to me. Does the analytics know something that we don't know just based on the eye test? Or is that where the computers are just absolutely missing history, recency, and how much we hate Southern Utah? I think that's the computers plugging in Eastern Washington giving up 56 points the week before. You know, they're not a road team. I mean, think about, was it last 29th, the last legit season, I believe it was, Eastern didn't make the playoffs because they lost at Idaho. You know, they lost at, you know, Jacksonville State, which is now a pretty decent, if not good, FCS school. But they're not a road team. You know, they're they're a red turf team. Uh, they've got EB3, Eric Barrierier, but they've got a porous defense, and they've struggled on the road. So that's probably where that, you know, interesting, you know, because you look at Portland State and how they did the first couple games uh, versus the the polling of Eastern versus Montana State, and we'll get into that in a second. Eastern's ranked higher. You'd think this would be like an 85% or something along those lines. But, you know, it's all semantics. You know, in the end, uh, Eastern is favored. I have it at 12 and a half. You know, I, I just think with their defense, you can't go much higher. Uh, Southern got a bye week. I don't know if that helps or hurts. I wish they would have used that bye week to pack up and, and leave the big sky. No, Southern Utah played Tarleton State last week. Oh, geez. And they beat him 40 to 35. It's okay. Oh, Idaho State had the, you know, the other, producer, producer other Jerry was Producer Jerry was in yeah. my ear on that one. He was saying, no, Tarleton State, how do you forget Tarleton State? Yeah, how 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 could I forget that matchup? How, do you, how did um, you forget Southern Utah and Tarleton State for real? I don't get it. <laughs> So Southern Utah is going to be getting 12.5 at home. Eastern should win by at least two touchdowns, but we'll see. I had Eastern 14.5. I wasn't really thinking about that away game thing, or the away game troubles that Eastern Washington can have away from that god-awful red turf and Cheney. You know, they should have won that game last weekend by 50 points. Against Western yeah. Illinois. Western Illinois is not yeah. a great FCS team. The Grizz showed that you can stop that offense um, and not even let them really come close to threatening you. I think we're taking a little bit of away from I, – I, you know, Eastern put in their second-string guys. They let Western Illinois get back into that. They don't maybe have the depth that other teams do. Um, I know that uh, – I mean, you know that they're a good team and you know that they have one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the country – quarterback in this team and that's why i set the line a little bit higher at 14 and a half again that might be biased against southern utah because i just absolutely cannot stand them i want them to get blown out of the conference just out of there altogether so i think that's where i put it at 14 and a half was because i wasn't thinking about eastern really being on the road i wasn't thinking about saint or um cedar city being a hard place to play uh, in the big side conference so i have eastern washington rolling in this one if it was 10 and a half i would definitely take what did you say 10 and a half or 12 and a half i'm sorry I said 12 and a half. So 12 and if, a it's half. Four, if it's 14 and a half and I have to bet it, I'm taking Southern Utah. And so if it's 12 and a half, I'm definitely taking Eastern Washington. So we give it, there's like a little two point uh, magic area right there that becomes kind of the, the switch, I think, for our bets. Um, but I think, you know, if Eastern Washington, if we'd be totally 
singing a different tune of Eastern Washington wins that game last week by 50 points, by 40 points, by 30 points. We're putting this line at 18 probably. We're putting this line where, you know, South Dakota, Cal Poly almost was last week. This We're looking a lot at that Western Illinois second half. I don't know if we're putting too much credence into that, too much thought into that. We're letting our brains get duped by the, the box score and by the final score. So, you know, it's not going to be a fun game to watch. I probably won't watch that one, especially with Davis and Weaver on. I don't want to watch Southern Utah. I think Eastern rolls in this. I just think it's up to Eastern how much they're going to win by there. I think they could come out and beat them by 40, but we'll see what that defense does. You were talking about the defense. Eastern Washington's defense right now, middle of the pack, giving up 405 yards a game. Southern Utah's defense third worst giving up 461 and that absolutely scares me when you have number three back there for the eagles throwing the ball against the third worst defense in the conference yeah if he's healthy if he's healthy that's the caveat there so that's our run through of the big sky we have some good games you know we have the grizz we have the cats back in action so those are two games we obviously are going to be keeping an eye on we're definitely going to be looking at that weber state uc davis game and a little bit of a, a news to note that you've probably already heard because it's all over Twitter and everywhere else is that the Grizz and Eastern Washington next week are going to be on ESPN2 from Cheney on it's Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. So it's going to be a Saturday super cool night. atmosphere. Uh, great for the Big Sky Conference. It's the first regular season Big Sky Conference game to be on ESPN2. So that's pretty exciting for the conference. It looks like there are already some rewards being reaped from this partnership with espn they don't they don't put this game on that channel without the big sky partnership so the mission to see if they can do that with any other games get that on national tv you know what would be amazing is if they did it now they just you know put that montana montana state game at the end of the year right over on espn two a five o'clock start who would say no to that oh and you know what I, I think you were right you alluded to this earlier the whole gambling issue has something to do with this too because you got a team like montana who People are aware of, you know, for one reason or the other, whether it's you know one of these stupid TV shows that everyone watches or the fact that they were so good in the FCS for so long and recently just dominated Washington in Seattle. So you put them up on ESPN2 as the last game in the country or one of the last games when gambling is legal in, you know, however, 12 states or whatever it is. That's big. People, people who who aren't gambling addicts or just love to p- place bets like you and I do, and we're we're not, we don't even come close to some of the people we know, oh, yeah. right? I mean, like I get a lot of shit on uh, Grizz Fan Pod, and you and you and Bear Tycoon give me crap. It's understandable, but I it's all perspective, and I know some people who really bet some money, and there's something to be said about that last game of the day, whether if you're chase, if you've lost every bet, that's your last chance. You're chasing if you've it. Won it. If you've won every bet, you want to let it ride. You have house so money. Yeah. The, the, the fact that it's like the last game on a Saturday night on ESPN2, a team that knocked off Washington, a Pac-12 team with a ton of hype at the beginning of the year, there's going to be, a. this will be the most money ever on a university of montana 
And yeah, those, those, that. that game is going to be on in bars across the country. I think it's like at 10 yes. o'clock, 10.30 start over on the East Coast. People are going to be in their sports bars. They're going to be licking their wounds or they're going to be celebrating depending on how their teams did earlier in the day. They're going to be having beers. That red turf is going to distract everybody. You can't help but look at a TV normally. <laughs> then you add in that red turf. It's going to be a crazy game. Uh, the Inferno the might trend on Twitter. There might be like a boost or a promo on Barstool Sports or FanDuel for that game. It's going to be fun. It is. It is. One last thing before we wrap up the podcast for week three. We just wanted to go over the top 25 polls that were just released yesterday. We're recording this on Tuesday night. So the polls came out yesterday. Sam Houston State stays number one in the country with 31 first place votes. The first Big Sky squad Montana on the bye week didn't lose, didn't win. They stay at number four. They still have two first place votes uh, coming for them. So they're the highest ranked Big Sky team right now and not too far behind them. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, the humans saw that game against Western Illinois and moved them up one spot from number seven to number six. They fell farther in the Sagarin rankings. We'll see who's smarter, uh, you know, later in this season if the computer was right by dropping them, you know, below Montana State, below UC Davis, and below Weber State, uh, or if the humans are right, keeping them at number seven. I think that that one's a little bit high for Eastern after last week's game. Then we have UC Davis moved up two spots with their big win over the weekend. To take number 12, Montana State stays stable at 13. And then Weaver rounds it all out, dropping five spots, losing to a number three school in the country. They dropped five spots out of the top 10 to number 14. Which one of those? I mean, you know, UC Davis jumped to Montana State. Montana stayed the same. So if you're looking at Eastern, UC Davis and Weaver, which one surprises you where they're at in the polls this week? Well, I mean, Weaver might be too high in all honesty, just based on what they've done, what they've done since the last legit season where, yeah, yes, they made the semifinal, but they weren't anywhere in the neighborhood of uh, James Madison. You know, the same thing could be said about Montana State back then too, but at least Montana State scoring some points, uh, winning games uh, that they should win, coming close to beating FCS schools, Montana beat an FCS school. There were they could be higher. But but you know, Weber losing to the number 3 school in the nation and dropping five spots. That's kind of rough. I mean, I think they might be too high. But so you think there was maybe some five sp- maybe there's maybe it's some correction weird. there that people were like, maybe we had them a little too high. Yeah. We, now we this is our chance to drop them. This is like this is like when Andy yeah. Dalton kind of gets hurt and like tweaks a toe or something like that. They're like, oh, it's Fields' team now in Chicago. This is kind of their opportunity to drop Weber um, yeah. and have an actual reason for it. Because Davis should have been ahead of them since oh for sure I, well, I week two that. since week two from since week and one. If we're if you're looking if yeah. you went if you went into this poll and ranked everybody didn't rank anybody preseason because those are like we've said the sure. stupidest polls ever and then you rank yeah. everybody after their week one you know games you would have had davis above weber no questions asked yes well above weber yes and, and i agree and it, it i think south dakota's look better than sam houston uh, it's tough this early in the year it's tough you know if we were going to talk about who's kind of gotten ripped off the most south dakota's not even ranked yeah, i was and, just literally going to say that south dakota receiving and, votes they're the second to last yeah. team receiving votes 
which is unbelievable to me. Only nine votes to get them into the top 25, and they've had a really Central, successful out-of-conference season. Central Arkansas, one and two. You know, they're 25. I think they're crap. Uh, you know, the rest of these teams, it's hard to know. It's early. They, you know, they not many common opponents. They're on the East Coast, uh, so we don't really care about that. On the East Coast, you know, it, people have their biases. Like you said, those early preseason poll biases – really carry over far too long. But things will shake out now as everyone gets into conference play. And thank God that these polls don't really matter. I mean, maybe a little bit for seeding. But for, as far as who makes the playoffs, you know, you got to win your conference. you got to get your X amount of FCS wins, your quality wins. You know, if you beat an FBS team, that counts. So that's what truly matters. You know, these polls... It's thank God we don't have bowls and you know polls make that big of a difference because it's going to come down to who beats who and you know who wins in the playoffs. Yeah, so, and and sat one other one, one other Big Sky school that changed from last week. Sacramento State was receiving votes last week. Um, they're out of that now with their loss to Cal over the weekend. So Sac State was receiving votes and they're out, but. You know, as a whole for the Big Sky Conference, five teams in the top 15. They're the only conference, obviously, that has five teams in the top 15. Very impressive start for the Big Sky in terms of just reputation and what they've done in the out-of-conference. It's going to be an, uh, obviously a very competitive season in the Big Sky when you have five teams ranked in the top 15. I don't think we've ever seen this before in the Big Sky, having it, you know a third of the teams uh, in the top 15 in the country being from our conference. So obviously a strong conference. We're going to get – someone's going to get knocked out of the top 15 this weekend when Davis and Weber State play. There's no way that those are both going to stay in the top 15, so we'll lose a team out of there this week. Like you and I talked about, we think it's going to be Davis. Uh, they could probably vault into the top 10 with a win this weekend over Weber State, which would give us uh, three teams in the top 10. Uh, Montana State with an unbelievably convincing win. I don't know if anybody's going to move them up. A couple losses could get them into the top 10. So the polls are definitely going to shake out now that we start conference season. We start, uh, especially in the big sky, when ranked teams are going to start playing ranked teams. You know, uh, next weekend, we've talked about it three or four times now, number four team right now, and the number six team as of this week are going to be playing. So a lot of these polls are going to be changing uh, each week as we go through them. But for this week, five teams in the top 15 for the big sky, which is pretty impressive there. Yeah. And you know, yeah, the Valley's got, I, I think I counted six teams in the top 18. So they're still lingering, but we've got more teams in the top 15 <laughs> and, uh, and we can yeah. kind of count North Dakota being big sky still like, yeah, still have they, players that were recruited as though they were Big Sky. Uh, exactly. Big Sky so, well, I want to thank Montana Parlay for coming on the pod this week on short notice, filling in for our boy Bear Tycoon who did have to step away um, and wasn't able to record this weekend. So thanks, Montana Parlay. Always yeah. fun talking gambling with you. Any final thoughts before we end this week four pod? Well, you know, I was a little punchy. It's past my bedtime. Uh, you know, I had to wait for your your Pacific time slot here. But, you know, I think we did, had a good pod. You know, Bear Tycoon, I don't know. I think he's recovering from entertaining a bachelor party or was that a bachelor <laughs> party? I don't, entertaining I don't know which part. It's just, it's just a slight joke. I mean, I think it's okay. Norm McDonald used to make those types of jokes about Andy Richter. You know, R.I.P. Norm. 
but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we miss Bear Tycoon or not. We'll see what the what the voting public says. We will for next week. And oh, we do need to talk about possibly a future segment. Um, these these the legal sports betting's thrown a wrench in things. Believe it or not, I was so excited for it. Uh, spring season was fun, but now all of a sudden. These legal sports books are releasing FCS lines the day of. I used to be able to pull the lines Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I'd get Parley's picks in. But now all we can do is speculate. And we're not going to record a pod at you know 8 a.m. on Saturday and do Parley's picks. That just doesn't make sense. So we've been talking. Nate and I have been discussing, doing a little quick hit pod on like a Thursday, Friday release where we just discuss, we guess the lines and, you know, kind of pretty much segment two about, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically the segment we, we, the reason why this is almost getting the Grizz fan pod territory of length, yeah. but because we added to this one, but we're thinking of making a separate pod. We guess the lines. We talk about the best bets from the week prior and then we release our bets based on the actual lines Saturday morning on Twitter. That way you guys can follow along. You can bet with us. You can follow our picks, fade our fade picks. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, you got, It'll be a matter of public record who's doing better, me or Nate. It's true. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know, you guys probably be best fading us from time to time, but... As always, gamble responsibly and look for that, you know, separate guess the lines pod that may or may not come out next week. Yeah, we'll see if we can get that knocked out. All right, well, that does put us almost at Grizz Fan Pod time, so we will get this one wrapped up. Again, thanks, Montana Parlay, for coming on here. We have week four. It's conference season in the big sky. I hope that excites everybody like it excited us this weekend. We're going to see a lot of shakeup in our power rankings, in the polls after this week. So everybody has a great week. Go Cats. We'll talk Go to Cats. everybody. We'll talk to everybody next week.